fellow regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Cam Edwards, your host, glad to be with you once again. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend, and we are kicking off the week with a great interview talking about a, a victory in federal court that happened not too long ago. A, a stun gun ban in Rhode Island. In fact, as you will learn, uh, the last official outright ban uh, on the books struck down by a federal judge. And uh, we are talking with one of the attorneys who was responsible for making that happen. Uh, Stephen Stambulia joins us on the program to talk about that case, as well as a couple of other cases that uh, he and Second Amendment Attorney Alan Beck are working on that are still making their way through the court system. In fact, one of those cases... Well, it is, it's in a holding pattern at the Supreme Court. We don't know what the court's going to do with it yet, but uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed that the court is going to grant cert. Take a look and a listen. Stephen, thanks so much for coming to the program, sir. It's good to talk with you today. Cam, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I would like our uh, viewers and listeners to know that uh, Stephen was originally going to join us via video, but uh, thanks to some tech issues on my end, uh, we're going to conduct this interview via telephone. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the victory uh, in U.S. District Court taking on Rhode Island's stun gun ban. Uh, although, is it is it is it fair to even call this a stun gun ban, Stephen? I mean, it sounds like the way this law was written in Rhode Island was really convoluted. Um. It's not a very well-written law, but it is fair to call it a stun gun ban, maybe not entirely an electric arm ban, just in the way that Rhode Island, you know, they just flat out say, uh, you know, stun guns are prohibited, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't, they don't say that tasers are prohibited, right? So they considered, um, up until, up until her lawsuit, they considered tasers banned. And then they made this tactical, litigation decision in the middle of litigation that, wait a second, well, maybe tasers aren't actually banned and, and you can buy one because we consider it a firearm, which is, again, not the way you read the statute, but that's their that was their litigation position. And what we said is, well, if that was true, and let's, let's just pretend that it's true, then uh, people would be able to buy tasers, but that's obviously not the case. So, so the judge ended up uh, uh, striking down this law, which I, I think was obviously the the correct decision um although Stephen, I, I couldn't help but notice that it seemed like the judge was really unhappy uh, about having to do so i mean he complained in his opinion about uh clarence thomas's judicial activism in the heller decision i uh, really seemed to take some issue with heller itself uh so i i guess you know on the one hand kudos to the judge for not engaging in the uh, type of activism that he believes clarence thomas was engaging in for actually looking at what the law says and saying well even if i don't like it the law is what it is. And, you know, that's really all we can ask of a judge to do is, you know, even, and that's what they're supposed to do. Even if they don't agree with the outcome, they apply the law and they apply the, the precedent of their circuit and they apply the precedent of the Supreme Court and they rule as, um, as to the law. And, I mean, I can't fault, I don't fault the judge at all for ruling the way he did because he applied, um, he applied the precedent that was before him and that's the, Logical conclusion, a, a categorical ban on a protected arm is unconstitutional. I just think there's nothing else to say about it. And, and I mean, Stephen, is it is it the case that, that these arms are truly protected by the Second Amendment, that there's no question about it? I mean, I know you go back to like the Catano case, 
Uh, and this was, you know, this was 2016. This was the Supreme Court uh, basically telling the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts, hey, here's what we said in Heller. <clears throat> Look at that part about, you know, arms coming into existence after 1791 uh, and not being excluded from the, uh, the the right to keep and bear arms. Go back and, and, and reread what we said and see if you didn't come right. to a, a different conclusion here. But they have not actually come out and categorically uh, uh, said stun guns are protected under the Second Amendment. Um, is that still, though, the gist of what the Supreme Court has had to say about these things when you take everything that they've said, uh, it, it, you know, in toto? Yeah. And let me and let me tell you why I think that that's the case. So um, the Catano opinion, if if they would have said that stun guns were just not protected, like for whatever reason, mm-hmm. there's no reason for the Supreme Court to remand, you know, to grant cert uh, and give some per curiam opinion, which, by the way, is a unanimous opinion. Um, and then uh, send it back down. They could have just simply said, um, whatever the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court said, we don't care, but stun guns aren't protected. Therefore, we don't need to go any further into the case, and we're just going to, you know, affirm uh, affirm the uh, Supreme Judicial Court, but just on other grounds, right? So the Supreme Court can basically do something like that. But instead, they realize that the Second Amendment extends uh, prima facie to all, all bearable arms. Anything that constitutes a bearable arm the, the Second Amendment extends to protect that that arm. So, you know, it's it's not fair to say that a stun gun, which most people carry, or the people that do carry them, they use them to defend themselves with, right? Yeah. So it's protected by the Second Amendment, and you know, arguments to the contrary are are uh, kind of disingenuous. Well, let's talk about at least uh, one of those arguments to the contrary, an argument raised by the state of Rhode Island, uh, because they offered up. Uh, arrest records, right? They, 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 was it something like 12 arrests over the past seven years? I mean, it was, it was a really small number of arrests, but they said, look, this is proof that these uh, stun guns are being used illegally, uh, in Rhode Island. Uh, and, and right. what was your response to that? Well, you know, we got that in discovery and I kind of chuckled when they sent it to me because number one, uh, they're illegal. So it doesn't matter if the person was using it to defend themselves as Jamie Citano did in 2016, which led to the Supreme Court case, right? Mm-hmm. They're for name. It doesn't matter that you're using them for self-defense. They're just illegal. So like, there's not an exception. Oh, okay. If your boyfriend's attacking you and you, you, you know, grab your stun gun, it's okay to have. It's just period illegal. So they give us these arrest records and a lot of them happen to be, oh, you know, so-and-so got caught with some pot or, or so-and-so was robbing someone and just happened to have a stun gun. It wasn't just that these people possessed these items but it doesn't matter if they just possess them because it's illegal so they would have been arrested anyway so what is the uh what what is the gist of the ruling then obviously the current law is struck down is there any is there any wiggle room Stephen, for the state to come back i mean obviously they can appeal this decision so they can try to you know uh, fight to keep this law in the books as is um, but, but it, it, did the judge leave any leeway or wiggle room? Uh, obviously he said, you know, regulation, uh, is fine. Right. But an outright ban is not. So do we have any idea about what a, uh, a potential, you know, stun gun, uh, I want say ban 2.0, but a, a, a new Rhode right. Island stun gun law might look like. Sure. I mean, you know, there's nothing that says that they can't regulate these, these items in some manner, right. They could prohibit, uh, uh, people that, you know, are mental defectives. They can prohibit minors from having them. They can prohibit people that normally the Second Amendment might not apply to, right? But you can't have just an outright ban on everyone that's not narrowly tailored or tailored at all. Like, get the narrow tailoring. Let's just say 
everyone can't have one. That's obviously incorrect. Mm-hmm. But they could have some room to regulate them. Uh, you know, as to the appeal question, I don't know what the state of Rhode Island is going to do. I mean, obviously they can appeal it, but, you know, they are literally, uh, Rhode Island was literally the last state to have a complete categorical ban on electric arms, period, in, in the entire United States. Wow. All the rest have at least, uh, if, if they still make it difficult for people to get them, they don't at least have a ban, right? Right. So Hawaii and Rhode Island were the two states left that we uh, that we went after, Alan Beck and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hawaii, the judge didn't want to rule on the case and stayed it pending numerous other cases. New York Rifle <laughs> One, then uh, Young v. Hawaii, which we're also on. Uh, and then New York Rifle 2, and then this potential legislative fix with the, with, uh, the Hawaii stun gun ban. And that judge still has not ruled on that case. Well, Hawaii, um, you know, they came in and finally, quote, repealed their ban, even though still no one can buy a taser uh, or a stun gun in Hawaii because they've made it to where you have to have background checks. And they basically made another ban by, uh, but without calling it a ban. It's like, you have to jump through all of these hoops. You know, kind of like their permitting system for carrying a gun. We have a permitting system. We just won't ever give you a permit. Okay, so that begs the question, uh, might we see some follow-up litigation in the state of Hawaii in the future? We'll see some follow-up. You're going to see some follow-up litigation in the state of Hawaii in the immediate future. Excellent. I'm I'm really glad to hear that because, you know, look, I mean, as you say, Hawaii's... Hawaii is one of those states we've seen um, that that really, you know, does not take kindly to being told that what they're doing is unconstitutional, and they tend to double down, as with we saw with Young versus Hawaii, um, you know, and, and 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 so you end up with these, I think, these indefensible laws, uh, and unfortunately, you know, some courts, the like the Ninth Circuit, that seem to go out of their way to uh, try to find a way to defend the indefensible. Uh, and I've got to ask you, Stephen, as long as we've got you here, let's talk about Young versus Hawaii for just a second yeah. because that is currently pending before the Supreme Court. They have not accepted cert. They have not denied cert. Uh, the, the, is, the, is the thinking that the court is going to hold that case until after the Bruin decision comes down, and then they will either they'll decide what to do with it then? My That's my understanding of it. So, okay. you know, it, it, it feels like it's just being held. I mean, personally, I think Young is a much better case than Bruin, but Bruin came before us, mm-hmm. um, and it just finished briefing before Young, um, before Young really got going in the uh, Supreme Court, which is kind of a shame because Young is such an old case. Like, if you look back on it, the appeal was started in 2012, man. Wow. Um, you know, and like here we are, ten years after appeal. Uh, and the Ninth Circuit stayed it pending some other case, pending Peruto. Then we briefed, you know, when Peruto came out and said, you have no, uh, you know, general right to conceal carry. Uh, and then we won in the, on the panel, which we were really excited. And then, of course, you know, any time that you win in the Ninth Circuit, if the, the county or anyone that you're fighting against doesn't go in bonk or ask the court to go in bonk, court goes in bonk on its own. It's yeah. such a bizarre, and they just did it in McDougal, which is a different case in Hawaii on COVID. I'm sorry, not in Hawaii, in California on COVID. And the county didn't ask for the court to go in bonk. And, and, you know, the plaintiffs won in the district court. And Van Dyke, if you read his um, opinion, I've never seen this happen before in a, in a Ninth Circuit case, or in any case, in any circuit court case. Mm-hmm. Van Dyke wrote the majority opinion and also wrote a concurrence. <laughs> 
about how the Ninth Circuit's going to come in and bump this case, and let me go ahead and write the opinion for you upholding this restriction. Yep. And he's, and he's right, and it's so sad, you know, that he's right. He is. I mean, look, 50 out of 50 times, I think, since Heller, the Ninth Circuit is uh, on bonk, has upheld a, a gun control restriction, you know, from Hawaii or California or one of the other Ninth Circuit states. They have never, in an on bonk decision, found that a, a gun control law violated our right to keep and bear arms. Not once since 2008. And I think that that really is telling. Uh, and, and it's, you know, again, it's got to be it's got to be so frustrating for for folks like yourself uh, knowing, I don't want to say that the fix is in, but it, it must be what it feels like at this point, Stephen. We have four, I think it's four Ninth Circuit cases actively on appeal right now. And then you look at something like Van Dyke's opinion, and I think he actually said it was 51 out of 50 that they, that they, you know, no second, no good Second Amendment jurisprudence comes out of the ninth. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's demoralizing, but, you know, you do what you do, and then you hope the Supreme Court steps in and says, you know, you can't keep doing this. And I think, I think Young was one of those cases where, you know, obviously they're holding it, I think. Uh, I hope they're holding it, uh, pending Bruin. But, uh, you know, they just, they have to come in and say, y'all can't keep doing this. You know, uh, if you treat this, you, you can't treat the Second Amendment like it doesn't exist. Um, and you have to actually apply some scrutiny to it. You can't come in with your expectation that not, the Second Amendment applies to nothing and we're just going to, you know, blue pencil it out of the Constitution or red line it, whatever you want to call it, out of the Constitution because it's there. And you can't stop it from being there unless you amend it. And judges, you're not amending the Constitution <laughs> just with, with your opinion. Absolutely. Well, again, I, I, this is why I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that that you are in the fight. Uh, Alan Beck is in the fight. I'm with you. I, I want to see the Supreme Court. I don't want them to just, you know, remand this case back down to the Ninth Circuit with further instructions after the Bruin case comes mm-hmm. down. The Ninth Circuit decision was so bad. I mean, you know, it, it just it's 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 reliance on uh, a territorial law in Hawaii uh, over the tradition of, you know, territorial law in Hawaii over the, the clear text of the, uh, the the Second Amendment of the Bill of Rights. That alone, I think, should cause at least four justices on the uh, Supreme Court to uh, to be gnashing their teeth and say, I want a piece of this. I want I, I want to talk about this directly. <laughs> uh, whether or not that happens, I don't know. But uh, yeah. I, I would certainly love to see it happen. Uh, and I know that, uh, as you say, you've got. Got a lot of cases out there uh, percolating around the country. I'd love to have you back in the near future uh, to talk uh, about any other updates as they become available. But, uh, Stephen, again, thank you for everything you're doing to uh, to keep our segment and right strong. I appreciate it, Cam. And, again, thanks for having me on, and I, I really look forward to uh, the next one. Absolutely. And thanks again to Stephen for joining us on the program. I'm looking forward to having him back in the near future with uh, hopefully some really good news to report on uh, Young versus Hawaii, as well as some of the other cases they've got going on. Uh, in the meantime, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there. Remember that uh, story from last Thursday about a shooting on a bus in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? Yeah, well, you know, there were no shortage of gun control advocates say, oh, look, it's because of concealed carry. Oh, it's because of all of the relaxed gun laws in Florida. No, not so much. Turns out it was a convicted felon on probation who's been ID'd as the uh, suspect in this bus shooting, now facing two counts of murder as well as a variety of other charges. Uh, and according to authorities, uh, the suspect's criminal history dates back to 2003. When at age 15, he was charged with disrupting a school function as a teenager is also arrested for robbery and grand theft. And as an adult, he has faced even more 
charges. Uh, the uh, 34-year-old suspect, Jamal Myers, uh, as I said, now facing charges of first-degree murder, attempted murder, possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. It was uh, just, what, a few years ago, actually. 2019, Myers was sentenced to three years in jail after uh, uh, sentenced to after he was uh, sentenced for ten crimes that were committed between 2017 and 2019. Uh, each of those sentences, again, three years long, and each of them served concurrently. So rather than being stacked one on top of one another, which would have kept Myers behind bars for. If not 30 years, you know, more than a decade at least, uh, he instead spent five months behind bars. Yeah. Five months. Sentenced to a total of 30 years in prison. Did five months. Because he also got uh, a credit for more than 800 days that he had spent in jail awaiting trial. So, five months after he was convicted and then the two plus years that he spent awaiting his trial, which is a problem, by the way, in and of its own right, but we'll delve into that into a, uh, a future story. Uh, Myers was released on January the 8th. He was put on probation until 2025. Now, of course, he is uh, back behind bars, being held without bond, uh, when perhaps they should have just, you know, stacked those sentences to begin with and kept uh, Mr. Meyer in custody for longer than, uh, oh, the five months or so that he spent after his conviction. All right. Uh, today's armed citizen story, Dallas County, Iowa, where a burglary suspect shot multiple times on Sunday night is uh, out of the hospital already and is behind bars, <clears throat> excuse me, facing a, a variety of other charges. As I said, this happened uh, Sunday night just before 11 p.m., According to authorities, Dallas County officers, Perry, Iowa officers responded to reports of a shooting. They found a man with multiple gunshot wounds. He was identified as 22-year-old Hunter Kesey of Dallas Center, Iowa. Deputies said in a news release that it was, quote, quickly determined that Kesey was actively trying to break into the residence when the homeowner defended his family and fired multiple rounds. The residents are cooperating with the investigation. They made the initial 911 call. Uh, there is no relationship between Kesey and the residents of this address. There's also no danger to the public at this time. It appears to be an isolated incident. So we're uh, glad to know that uh, everybody in that house is going to be okay. Glad to know that uh, Kesey has been taken into custody and is also going to recover. Hopefully this will be a, a life-changing lesson. And uh, we will never, ever hear his name again over the course of this program. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, we'll unable to do the right thing. A number of drivers on Interstate 4 in the Tampa, Florida area, who on Friday stopped to help a Florida Highway Patrol officer who was uh, wrestling with a, uh, a man who had attacked him. Uh, this happened broad daylight. It was about 10 o'clock Friday morning. The officer in question had stopped to uh, check on a guy who was walking uh, along the side of the interstate. Trooper uh, Jonathan Ruiz saw Alexander Hernandez Delgado and uh, stopped to make contact. Ruiz asked him for his identification, and that's when Hernandez Delgado allegedly struck Ruiz in the face, tried to flee, hitting him several more times. Uh, and that's when the uh, Good Samaritan, uh, uh, first a, a truck driver, uh, pulled over. Others, again, see what was going on, uh, pulled off onto the shoulder of the road and uh, helped Officer Ruiz 
uh, detain the uh, suspect there. Uh, he was taken into custody, reportedly booked on charges of battery on an officer and violently resisting law enforcement. Officer Ruiz suffered a bloody nose during the altercation, but is otherwise going to be okay. Uh, and again, that might not have been the case were it not for the uh, quick thinking and the fast actions of those armed citizens who were in the right place at the right time and were willing and able to do the right thing. That's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com, the website, throughout the day for even more Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. Just use the promo code GUNRIGHTS when you go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. You'll get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We're also going to say thanks by giving you exclusive news stories, analysis, content you won't find anywhere else. Uh, again, it's our way of saying thank you for showing your support for the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism that we're doing at Bearing Arms. It does mean a lot. It does make a difference. So again, thank you very much. We'll see you back here tomorrow with another edition of Cam and Company. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs> <laughs>